This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you like underground music, movies, and more, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed merch, vinyl, CDs, and more. Plug in the discount code 10 off T-E-N-O-F-F, for a 10% discount at portlanddistro.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. Welcome all. Thank you for everyone who has continued their support of the Patreon efforts. We're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. For as little as $1 a month, you can support the show and get bonus episodes. For $5 a month, you can get bonus episodes plus early access to the normal feed. And for $25 a month, you can be a sponsor. And that means that if you have a business, a band, some kind of project that you want to promote on this show, for $25, I will give you a custom read at the front end of the show before we get into the episode. And, you know, I, I, I know that $25 is a big investment. So um, you can do for one month, you can do for two months, you choose. Before we get started, I also want to shout out our brethren, the four horsemen of the podcast apocalypse. And of course, I'm referring to Into the Necrosphere, hosted by Jackie Smith, Horror Wolf 666, hosted by Brandon Legion, who was a recent guest on this show. And Jackie is actually going to be a, a guest in the next couple of weeks, too. So we're, you know, we're keeping the, the good vibes rolling. And of course, last but not least, we have Necromaniacs, a horror podcast that I co-host with my old friends, Mike Scandato and Jeff Kashid. Speaking of old friends, this episode features Steve Williams of In It Records, a Midwest-based independent music label. Steve and I go way back, way back. He released an EP by my former band, Anodyne. And he's just been a guy that's been around. He's booked shows. Um, I'd run into Steve all the time on the road. He's booked shows for Anodyne. I, I believe he's booked shows for Tombs in the very beginning. And I just had an opportunity of reconnecting with Steve on this last run through the country that we did with Origin and Abysmal Dawn and Calidorous. We got to hang out in Minneapolis, where he is now living. And uh, it was like we'd never been apart. It was like I hadn't, it's like no time had passed. It was really great. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely check out Steve's label, In It Records. And we talk about his label, we talk about independent music, and uh, a bunch of cool philosophical things. Steve, it was great seeing you uh, a few weeks back on tour. Yeah, likewise. It's been a long time. The coolest thing about it, though, is that it really felt like uh, no time had passed. Agreed. Um, there's not too many people. I feel like when you run into people, uh, it's just like you saw them yesterday. And I feel like uh, that's definitely been our relationship over the last two decades. It's crazy to think that it's been that long, too, you know? Um, yeah. You know, and, and like... It's cool. Like pretty much everything was the same, except I discovered some uh, personal things about you. Uh, like you got married, which I didn't know. And uh, yeah. just, just because I, I don't, I haven't been uh, very active on like Facebook or any social media for the last few years. 
aside from just like posting stuff about you know the band and the podcast so i kind of fell behind uh the information stream a little bit so congratulations everything seems cool yeah thank you yeah for sure yeah i didn't make a i mean it's weird getting doing stuff like that during the a pandemic too so it's not like it was uh i don't post too much personal stuff on the internet anyway mostly just label stuff or shows bands that i'm stoked on yeah now i i actually you and i've known each other for like at least 20 years i think right for sure at least yeah maybe even a little longer we we met in mankato right yeah i did an anodyne show yeah it would have been on the first uh quiet wars tour right on yeah yeah that's i'm trying to like uh figure all this stuff out you know i'm getting old you know my my memory's starting to fade uh i'll probably be dead soon you know so (laughs) hopefully not but i uh, also understand because i'm also getting old and my memory is not what it used to be yeah yeah so um yeah it's it's uh i don't know man it's been cool i I like running into into you and you know people from i don't know it's just like these days everything seems so disposable in our society you know like things come and go so quickly and um you know, you cycle through people, people are enter your life and then they disappear and, you know, they lose interest in stuff. And then I always celebrate the relationships I have with people that I've known for a long time, you know, and, and it's cool to run into you and things aren't any different. And on the same tour, I ran into Jamie Getz up in Vancouver. Once again, the same scenario. It felt like we just saw each other like a couple of weeks ago and nothing had really changed. Yeah, I, I agree. I think as you get older, it's not only our society's more disposable, but I think uh, people grow and change. And um, one of my big struggles is just being involved in punk and, and hardcore metal. And um, people get out of it so fast, you know, or their priorities change once they get married, start families. You know, they just stop going to shows, stop buying records, stuff like that. And it's, it's a disconnect because that's all I want to do. That's all I'm into. So when did you start the label? Because I'm, I'm mainly I want to talk about In It Records, and um, yeah. you know that's uh, doing labels is harder and harder. You know, especially if you're dealing with tactile product like CDs and and you know LPs and things like that. So you and I had uh, have worked together on a release for Anodyne, and um, you know that was a I don't know it's got to be like 15 years ago at least at this point. Yeah, it was 2003 or 2004. It's almost 20 um, years ago, man. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I started the label um, technically in 2000, but the first record, you know, it was the end of 2000, and the first uh, release was a Vita Blue CD, later became 10 grand. Um, and that didn't come out till February 2001. And uh, basically been doing it. Um, there's been periods where it's more active than others. You know, the last couple of years, I think with the pandemic, I only put out a couple records, um, and it's definitely slowed down. Um, as I get older, I think the biggest thing is I just don't, um, I don't want to just put out bands that send me demos. I've never wanted to do that. I want to put out bands that I know the people, um, that I've met, that I've seen, that I like. And it's, as you get older, it's harder because all my friends when I was younger who were playing in bands, you know, now they have families (laughs) they don't play in bands, they don't tour, which is, you know, another thing why it's just so great when I, you know, knowing that you're still out there doing it and I'm going to run into you every couple of years and it's going to be like nothing changed. Well, moving forward, it's going to be probably more than every couple of years. Uh, you know, now, now that things are in full swing again, you know, we got, yeah. we got other tours coming up this fall. I think we're going to be running through your part of the country again. 
and uh, you're just going to keep things rolling. So, uh, so I'll, it, it feels good to be out there again because, like, you know, frankly, the last couple of years, there was so much doubt in, in everyone's mind about whether or not music was even going to be a thing anymore, you know, live music, you know. Yeah, and luckily it is, and it uh, seems like we're on the right track to, you know, getting back to as normal as we can. Now, or we want to when, when I look back at like records and you know the culture surrounding uh, you know small labels and independent music, you know I look at these different eras of you know the '80s, the '90s, and then you know post twenty uh, first century. Um, you know, in the '80s, that was kind of the beginning of the whole independent music uh, world. You know, you know, at Discord, SST, um, you know, alternative tentacles. And the whole DIY culture kind of sprang from that. And then the 90s is when it really sort of, um, you know, became a, uh, a more prominent cult subculture, you know. And then you had all these distros, you know, like Mortem and Very Distro and, you know, Lumberjack and all this. It was easier to put records out. Um, and, and also there was, there was more of a network of things going on. And then post-millennium, I think a lot of that's changed. So you, do you have any reflections on that, being a guy who, who is still involved in releasing independent music? For sure. And, you know, my uh, day job is a record store for 22 years, too. So, you know, I've seen the, the ebbs and flows, you know, professionally and, you know, my hobby, which is the label. But I think that's true. I think, you know, um, SST, Discord, all the bands in the 80s, uh, the whole DIY movement sparked the 90s, which was just... I mean, it's just insane, you know, like every band put out a seven inch, you know, not just punk bands and hardcore bands, but, you know, every band, that's how they could get their music out the most affordable. You know, there wasn't CDRs, um, that technology and CDs were still expensive. Um, and then, yeah, as it enters the early aughts, I, you know, once, um, digital, that's just, it's just killed killed it uh a lot honestly um and now there's a little final resurgence but the vinyl resurgence you know everyone talks about that and everyone wants to put out their records on vinyl you know you got like singer songwriters come in and they bring in me their record and i'm just like what do you do well i play a coffee shop once a month and i'm like why did you put this record out? you know like the stuff that's selling is like there's a disconnect when people are like oh you put out vinyl records people must be buying those galore and it's like what people are really buying right now is, you know, major label stuff, large indie stuff, you know, large metal stuff. But I feel like it's is the um, the online gets bigger. It's just um, it's so much stuff just hit at you. I feel like it's harder to discover or it's harder to absorb. I should say it's easy to discover new music, but it's hard to absorb it because you're just getting blasted on social media you know, from online publications just constantly. And the game is all, you know, PR. It's kind of more big business, even if it's, you know, underground. Which, you know, in the early, the late 90s and early aughts, it, it really wasn't. It was, um, you know, there's some message boards, but it was more like a network of touring. And, you know, you'd, people would say, oh, check this band out, you know. Or you'd read a review in, like, Heart Attack or a, a print magazine, which just, you know, very little of that happens these days too, other than decibel. 
You know, it's funny. I, I, I oftentimes think that the introduction of, uh, and this is going to sound, I, you know, I, I got to be careful. I don't know who's listening. So, uh, <laughs> Katie, if you're out there, uh, you know, no, no offense, <laughs> but uh, I kind of feel like, um, you know, the advent of PR injected into independent music uh, is good and bad. Let's, let's be, you know, political about it here. Uh, it's good because... You know, if you're out there doing your thing and uh, you have like this um, organization behind you, you know, promoting you, that's awesome. You know, you get nice features, you get put on, you know, these like uh, playlists, things like that, you know, and I really appreciate that, you know. Um, but on the other hand, it's it's the job of that person to, you know, they have to execute the, the scope of work. You know, they have a certain number of bands, you know, some of those bands might be awesome, you know, and, and hardworking and doing their thing. And some bands might be kind of mediocre, but they still get the same attention. You know what I mean? And that's that's just doing your job. You have to do that. And I remember even back, like, I don't know, the early, like maybe 2001 or two, when, um, you know, even Anodyne on the microscopic level that we operated at, we had someone working PR. And I just remember we were in the practice space one day and we were talking about that and it was like, what the hell is PR, man? Like, what, you know, what, <laughs> who is going to care about like this band, you know, but there was like a guy that was hired to work the record and it was the beginning of that whole exposure to that for me. And uh, I remember going to a show one time in, in the city to see um, Gates of Slumber. And um, did you, did you ever know those guys? I don't know. I know the name, but I've never oh. never listened to him. My my dear friend who passed uh, a few years ago, Jason McCash, was the bass player, one of the founding members of the band, and uh, and also Bob Fouts played in that band, and sadly he passed away a few years ago too. And um, they're guys from Indianapolis. They were like, oh yeah, okay. Um, I do know that. Band. I, I think I yeah. I think I did see him at a dude fest. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. They were yep, like, yep. Uh, I know the name. Yeah. Yeah, they yep. were in Burn It Down, you know, and I'm, yep, I, yep, I know you yep. know them, yeah. Yep, for sure. And I remember going to the show, and it was, like, in the um, the basement room of uh, Webster Hall, and, uh, you know, it was a nice, nice, that's a cool spot to play, it's, like, maybe 200 people, something like that, and um, it was filled with industry people, and I was, like, it blew my mind, because I was, like, I never really experienced anything like that on that level, and I think that in a lot of ways, it kind of softens the impact of the better bands when everyone's being pushed at like an equal level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it's weird. Cause I feel like in the, like go back to anodyne. I feel like in the late nineties and the early aughts, it was more the label doing the PR themselves. Yeah, exactly. It was like someone at the label hitting up college radio records. I mean, you know, working at a record store in the early, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, when I started, like, we would get posters for the bands playing in town. We would get a promo CD. This band's playing your market, you know, from small labels, you know, and it was more like the label doing the PR. And now I feel like it's just how much money do you have? Everyone, everyone has access to PR, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just, um, you know, how much money do you have, really? That's what it kind of comes down to. And when vinyl's going up, small label, like, man, every time I've done a, you know, paid for PR, it's, yeah, it gets a lot of attention or you get a lot of, like, features on websites, but it doesn't really 
equate to sales. Yeah, that that that's the kind of and, point I was trying to make. Is you don't. Yeah, and, yeah. And I try to get that to bands, and they, that's all they care. You know, they just care about where, 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 where it is, but it doesn't equate to sales. You know, I always say you play shows, you sell records. I can do whatever, but and some of the PR is just like, well, I've had no problem getting my stuff into decibel without PR. You know, all because I put out an anodyne CD, CD I believe, because that's the first thing they ever reviewed of mine. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Yep. So um, that's funny. Yeah, and uh, and that was actually my first uh, exposure to decibel too. I've really? never seen it before. Um, I mean, in Mankato, it's not like you know we had a stream of you know magazines at Barnes. You know, our Barnes and Noble is small. That's like where I had to go to get music magazines other than, you know, what the record store was selling, which was Punk Planet and Heart Attack and Maximum Rock and Roll. And I remember seeing this magazine, I just picked it up and there was the review for that Anodyne CD. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> this is the magazine for me too. Cause they're like talking about botch and they're talking about, you know, ISIS and, um, you know, Anodyne and playing enemy. And I'm like, this is clearly the magazine for me, you know? Oh, but yeah, like, man, totally. I mean, Decibel is like, you know, one one of they're they're an important publication for sure. Oh, for sure, yes. And um, you know, I kind of view the whole print thing as the same as like uh, physical media. You know, it's part of physical media, and it's so important because when you don't actually have anything to hold, what do you really have? Like, and and you know, my uh, wife says I'm a hoarder because I have a record collection, and you know, and I I have all these CDs and stuff, but it's it's organized. It's not like I'm saving newspapers, you know. But um, like, like, what do you have? Like, like you, you know, something pulls out a streaming and you don't have that anymore. You don't own it. And then, you know, my worry, and this is like a little (laughs) conspiracy theorist, but like what happens when they don't want you to have access to stuff? You know, that that seems far fetched in America to a lot of people, including myself, but it's also there too. Like if you don't actually own anything, it's like the, you know, 1984, you don't have those books anymore. You don't have the records. You don't have the CDs, you know. You, um, you actually hit on something very interesting because, and like, I don't know if this is actually true or not. So I'm saying that with a disclaimer. But the a few years ago, I remember some big R&B star was actually changing the mixes that were being uh, posted for their releases. Like they were, you know, you, you yeah. would, was that was that real? I, I believe it. Don't quote me on this either, because I'm not. Uh, I believe it was uh, Kanye West, Life of Pablo. That makes sense, because that guy's out of his I mind. Think that's so. what one it was. Yeah, he's crazy. He's batshit. He yeah. sucks. He's a terrible human. So, um, but yeah, I believe that. I, I, you're absolutely right. I do believe that's true. So that that sparked my my, you know, distrust of uh, streaming. Yeah. You know, too, because part of it's like. You know, what, what the fuck's up with that, man? Like, I, I just, like, for me personally, I just, I make a record, it's out, I might like it, I might not like it, there might be things 10 years later <laughs> I want to change or I want to erase certain things, but it's part yeah. of the, uh, the the continuum of reality, you know, and you can't, it start, things start getting slippery when you have access to change things like that, and, and I, uh, I don't really support that, you know? Yeah, for sure, then you end up with shit like Star Wars and E.T. where they fucking change the, <laughs> the scenes from your childhood that's that's a real thing too right yeah yeah I, yeah I uh, george lucas you know went back and redid this first star wars movies and added in the 
new characters from the prequels and stuff. Oh, and uh, fuck ET that, got man. changed where they took the guns out and put walkie talkies in their hands. Dude, that's no good. And then he went back and changed Steven Spielberg went back and changed it and was like, I'm never gonna change my movies again. But it's like a snapshot of history. Like I've put out I've put out ugly fucking records and CDs, especially in the early aughts. I'm not gonna single anything out to make any bands feel bad, but I used to just hey, if this is a band's artwork, that's great, you know? Like, if this is what they want, I'm not going to, who am I to say no? And now I'm a little more involved. If you send something that it's really ugly or really bad or doesn't really make sense, I might speak up. You know, I might, like, I really don't feel like this is the right move, you know? Which I've rarely had to do, luckily. Yeah, no, that, it, that's that's it, cool, it, though. Whether you get involved yeah, on an aesthetic it, level, you know, it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a snapshot of, of stuff. And, like, you know, a lot, I, you know, there's stuff that I love that, you know, some punk rock stuff that, you know, I love from when I was in high school. I still like it, even though I, I know that it's not very great musically. You know what I mean? Like it's sloppy or it's just kind of, you know, cringy lyrics or whatever it might be. But like, it's like, Hey, this is a time and a place. And that's what it kind of reminds me of too, you know? So I think like physical, yeah, physical media is important because you actually hold it. And yeah, you can't change it because when what happens when somebody doesn't want you to have access to certain stuff, you know? And if it's all digital, someone can just erase it. Well, oh. you know, ten years ago, I probably would have said, "Oh, Steve Peshaw, that'll never," you know, "What are you talking about? That's that's <laughs> par- paranoid." But with how out of control, you know, censorship is these days, I think you're onto something about that, you know. And and furthermore, um. I'm a big fan of uh, Joe Bob Briggs. You know, I watch his, um, he has a show on Shudder okay. called uh, The Last Drive-In, which is all, you know, okay, yeah. you know horror films. Like, yeah, yeah. a lot of it's like uh, kind of schlocky B-movie stuff, but also he had a, he brought the same point up about, about movies, like horror films, like obscure exploitation films and, you know, things like that, grindhouse movies, which, you know, are not always PC. They're, you know, going to offend yeah. people. And he's like, yeah, hang on to your Blu-rays and DVDs of these things or your VHS tapes because you never know when someone's going to decide that this is not suitable for everyone and they're just going to get rid of it. So that's I'm down with that, man. I have like it, 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 tons of that shit too, you know? Yeah, and I'm not like a weird conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, like, but I just feel like if you don't, what happens if you don't have access to the stuff you want if you rely all digital? And it's not even that. It's, you know, I have people that sell me their CD collections at work. Oh, I put everything on a hard drive. I don't need these anymore. Man, I've lost three hard drives over the last 10 years. You know, because I upload all my CDs. I buy a CD, put it in my iTunes, and then I use iTunes Match, and I can stream it at work while I'm doing orders and sitting at my computer in my office, yeah. you know, or on my phone. If, um, you know, I don't want to listen to the CDs in my car. Like, I, you know, there's a spot for digital. There's a spot for streaming. You know, you can check out new bands. I think Bandcamp is awesome, but at some point, like, you know, nothing should be replacing the physical media. In my my personal view. Yeah, it's. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on all this kind of like, you know, subtle, like passive aggressive like censorship that's going on? That's the worst part about it. Is oh, that- for, well, you know the the whole it can't happen here clearly based on you know what's happened in the supreme court recently it can happen here like you know we're not as 
you know, free as people really think or, you know, I hear a lot like, well, that can't happen. That'll never happen in my lifetime. So many things over the last, you know, eight years have happened that people said, oh, that'll never happen in this country. So because the censorship thing happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. But even, you know, even if you want to say, oh, that's far fetched, you know, Mike and Steve, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're you're really, you know out there like you know probably won't happen but also just what if a band just doesn't exist anymore and who controls that stuff right so like if something is digital only and the members die over the years and and i'm talking you and i are gone like how is the next generation gonna like what if what if um the minutemen never put out a physical thing you know black flag never put out a physical thing and they just those members just moved on or died or just didn't exist anymore like where's the next generation of discovering that you know it's just i don't know maybe that's far-fetched no no it's not and and uh you know i i you know being i'm a 90s guy so like i'm paranoid you know that's like that's like that, <laughs> yeah. that was like the you know the 80s and the 90s were all this like the more healthy version of conspiratorial thinking, I think, arose, you know, where you started distrusting yeah. things. I'm not saying like we, you know, in the 90s, we were in the level of some of the nut jobs around today where now it's not fun to be into conspiracy theories anymore. It's actually <laughs> yeah. it's actually dangerous and illegal. Correct. You know, it causes like violent behavior right now, you know, but yeah. And the, yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah it, versus like aliens and yeah. You know, back like then, the yeah, you'd, you'd read like a, you know, one of the books that Feral House released or something, and it'd be, you'd be like, huh, interesting. I wonder if, you know, like, how much of this is true, you know? But, but that's where that distrust of the, like, a healthy distrust of the government came from that, and a distrust of authority and questioning things, you know, not just accepting stuff. That came from that. Now, that's I don't want anyone to take this out of context and be like, oh, well, Mike's like. You know, now he's QAnon fucking guy. Like, you know, he thinks like he thinks the Democrats are like Satanists, like reptilian Satanists and stuff. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is that just like everything else, I want to know why. You know, I want to I want to know why. I want to show doc. I want to see documentation. I want to see proof for everything. That's what I'm saying. And like, yeah, that's kind of like fits into what we're talking about with music and physical media. It's like. You know, if you're a band out there, all you have is like some MP3s on the internet and that gets wiped out. Someone decides that, you know, oh, well, this music isn't suitable for you to listen to anymore. We're getting rid of it. You know, you didn't even fucking exist because you don't have like a record or any kind of proof or document that this even was a thing, you know. Or the server just doesn't exist anymore. The website host goes out of business. I mean, let's not even go into the conspiracy part of like censorship, like it's just lost in time. Like, um, if you don't, let's say they don't have a backup, you know, let's say they don't know where the masters are. Oh yeah. Like it's just gone. Like, and, 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 you know, like the thing to me, and I feel like this is like the loss. I mean, artwork is so important to an album, not just a little tiny square on your phone, but holding artwork to me, it's always been liner notes and it's just weird to me. And I know you're the same way as I am on this. Uh, even though we're, different eras of getting into music is you would read those liner notes and you'd see like, what bands do these guys think? 
And 100%, be like, man, 100%. I want to check that. Like, if this band is thinking these bands, like, I probably need to check these bands out. That's just a lost art. It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, you I know? guess you're right about that, man. It doesn't happen. But also, like, I mean, people don't, I mean, I guess you can Google lyrics, but not for a lot of underground stuff, you know? So, like, um, you don't have any lyrics to read. You don't have the liner notes. You don't have, like, um, you know, I'm from, you know, the ebullition era sure. of hardcore that got me into hardcore. And it's like every song had explanations or, you know, what these lyrics meant, you know, stuff like that. It's just, to me, that was so like uh, instrumental in really me becoming who I am today, both, you know, political views and just, you know, ethics, you know, <clears throat> um, ethically like you know equal rights you know all that i you know i probably wouldn't i, I don't know you know i mean my parents are pretty li are very liberal and you know i feel like they did a good job raising me but i don't know if i would be as liberal or conscious about um the politics if you know i wasn't into punk and hardcore and read the liner notes I 100% agree with that, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, it's similar to me. My parents are not. My mom is actually surprisingly liberal, but she's uh, hiding underneath the uh, the blanket of being a Republican. However, she doesn't vote Republican, and she supports all these like uh, you know, like like pro-choice and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My dad, though I love him dearly, is a, a fucking far right sort of guy you know what i mean that's a bummer like, yeah i mean i don't know how far i'm saying that with a little bit it's a little bit of um you know uh hyperbolic uh you know hyperbole yeah. when i say that but but you know he voted for donald trump he probably supports a lot of weird shit that i don't agree with but if it really i mean the town i grew up in is like you know very small-minded very very right-wing you know it was like a, a former classmate of mine so this this lady that i grew up with she we went out for um for lunch one time over the holidays and she was like yeah you know apparently like this town you know carmel new york was like the biggest stronghold of like trump supporters in all of new york state <laughs> or something like that and i'm like all right yeah it makes me look around again i'm like yeah, I, I could see that i remember growing <laughs> up i remember being a punk rocker and being like one of five kids who listened to black flag in my high school you know and running into trouble and the cops and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I get it, you know, but that once again, coming back to the point you're making punk hardcore and punk lyrics and the sort of culture around that was, was very hugely formative, you know, and even black flag, just even like the nihilistic viewpoint that I hold is you could trace it all the way back to Greg Ginn and Rollins and Chuck Dukowski and that whole thing, you know, this kind of, liberal apoliticism that they've had you know yeah and if you didn't have the artwork the lyrics I would would it have been absorbed the same way no absolutely you know? not yeah and like yeah the large format is is definitely the way to go and, and you know even more so it's um i'm a huge fan of alex gray's artwork and um yeah yeah great you can look at it you can follow him on instagram you know <laughs> you can see his pieces you know and it's yeah. great. oh it looks wonderful your computer but i went to uh cosm i've been there several times it's in upstate well the hudson valley new york okay yeah and, and to see those pieces 
in large format is powerful, man. And the same thing could be said for a poster of an album artwork or the album artwork itself and, and just the, the way that it should be presented to you in its complete, fully realized, fully actualized form. You know, there's a certain for power, sure. there's a certain power with that. It's a piece of art and it should be viewed, you know, it's not viewed like that in our culture and even in the, you know, a lot of the underground scene, but it should be. I mean, what if you could only see Van Gogh pieces on a computer screen? They didn't exist in real life or, or any art, you know? What if there were new art museums? What if everything is just on a computer screen? What if that could very well happen? You know, like, yeah, it's it, it, it happened with music. And it's just to me, it's weird that it's, it's weird that our culture just doesn't um, appreciate, you know, music as an art form, I guess. And yeah. I feel like as time goes on and social media and then you know, new generations of kids and I'm not like the old man shaking my fist on the lawn, but you know, to me it's important that new people get involved and they f discover this old music just like I did, you know, the bands before, you know, that existed before I got into punk rock and metal, you know, it's, it's so important and they're just, they're not probably getting the same, um, what, what's the word? They're not, it's not as like, uh, they're not getting the same impact, you know, just online. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. So and they're not absorbing. It. You're not absorbing it as much either. I mean, when you buy a record, like actually, this is something. As I get older, I, I I end up buying more records. I have more disposable income than I did when I was younger. I spend a little less time sometimes with records and CDs. You know, listen. Like when I buy a record as a kid, I just listen to that CD or record just over and over and over. You know, because I didn't have. I mean, you've seen my record collection. I got so much. It's just sometimes it is overwhelming. And one of the things I tried to do pre you know pre-pandemic one of my goals like you know, was you know just before the pandemic started was like oh when i buy a record or a cd i'm gonna try to like you know it's not like a reissue but something new i want to listen to it a bunch before i like go to the next one which i didn't do that good a job on but you know <laughs> listen to it online it's just song 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 you're just bombarded with so much stuff yeah Traveling, Apparently. though, traveling is a good... I mean, the, the digital stuff is good for traveling, though, for sure. For sure. Yeah, but, like, sure. at home, I always listen to vinyl. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 So are, are you the guy at the record store who um, is, like, when some kid comes up with, like, uh, you know, like a Norma Jean record or something, you're like, well, you know, you should really check out this other band, Botch, or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Nice. For good. sure. Good. Like, I would never... Uh, one of my big things in, like... Uh, when I was going to the, like, Mankato had, when I got into music, they had one record store called Ernie November, which doesn't exist in Mankato anymore, but exists in Sioux Falls still and uh, Rapid City, Cheyenne, and Billings. Um, and I worked for them for 13 years. But pre-working for them, when I was in high school, some of the staff were very snobby. They'd be judgmental. And I remember, like, um, I didn't get offended, but a lot of my friends just once another store opened, there's a second store open in town. They they went there instead because they were less like high fidelity ish right. snobs. Yeah, and I took that with a grain of salt. And they also kind of liked me, so they'd make fun of like, "Oh, you're buying a lag wagon record? That band sucks. You should like <laughs> the Descendants or whatever, you know." And I took it with a grain of salt. Like, well, I'm still gonna buy this lag wagon record, and but I'm gonna listen to the Descendants, you know. 
by his descendants record. Right. Yeah. There's, you, no, there's, no reason, there's no reason why he can't listen to both. You know, it's not like he can exclusively sure, yeah. listen to yeah. one or the oh, other. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And um, so once I started working at a record store, um, I probably went in with a little snobby mentality. But um, as I got older and really more like looked at it, you know, once I got in there and I looked at it like a business standpoint, I was like, well, f- fuck that attitude. Like, who cares what you listen to as long as you're buying physical media? And I think that was a culm- culmination of um, – physical media dying, you know, CDs just dropping out, everything going digital, that really made me look like, who cares what they're buying? As long as they're buying it, that's going to keep, you know, me employed, basically. Right. You know, oh, yeah, pre-vinyl, totally. pre-vinyl, pre you know, revival. So, um, you know, yeah, for sure. If someone comes in, I'll never say, oh, fuck Norma Jean, Christian bullshit, botch ripoff, or whatever. I would never say that um, to the person. But yeah, be like, hey, if you like that, you should check this this record out. And now they don't have to buy that record for twenty dollars. They can just go home and listen to it and come back and buy it if they like it. You know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, that that's the one good thing about it. You know, about uh, the digital streaming stuff is that you can check it out before making that purchase. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I had I had a guy like that when I was growing up too. Um, he's been on this podcast several times. Uh, Malcolm from uh, from Trash American Style in connecticut uh the the sadly um you know the store doesn't exist anymore not not because of uh lack of interest but from some shady dealings with the landlord the store doesn't exist but yeah but his um you know his presence is still out there he's got a huge mail order he does like you know all of the yeah like the wfmu record fairs like you see him all, all regional places like that he's out there selling records Cool. And he plays music and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, he was like, it, pretty much most of the records in the new section would have like a card in there if you, for fans of XX, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I love that because, um, you know, I, I would just go through just eager to find stuff. And I would just go through like the punk and hardcore metal sections. And it's like, oh, this band sounds like, you know, it was like a sistral record or something. And it's like, you know, for fans of like, you know, I forgot what the, they compared them to, but something and, you know, you, you would, it, the album artwork looked cool. The name sounded cool. It was in the right section. And then it's, it said that it sounded like these other bands, you know, and it was like, like pulling teeth was like if for listeners of integrity or something like that, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. Yep. And then when you would buy something and you would go to the counter, he would just be like, oh, oh yeah, cool have you listened to this band you know and the next time you came in you'd maybe you think about it you know maybe you'd ask your friends that if they'd heard this band and then like maybe read try to you might see an article or, or in in like maximum rock and roll or whatever and like you'd see an ad for it in like your flesh magazine and then you'd go and buy the record the next time you went through yeah for sure yeah exactly yeah in a, just, in a way yeah, you know, i feel like uh <laughs> Hard, uh, I feel like uh, podcasts have kind of taken pick, picked up the slack for that in some ways. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how much you listen to this stuff like this, but the um, my my buddy Jackie, who runs into the Necrosphere, uh, you know, he that's like an extreme music podcast, and yeah. I, I have discovered so many bands through just listening to his show. You know, and I think that I'm, I'm trying to put some. Uh, a, 
positive spin on all this, uh, you know, all this stuff sure. where, where it's like, oh, the, yeah, yeah, you know, even though, all doom and gloom yeah, online, yeah. like digital isn't all doom and gloom, but you know, and even though you can't, it's it's getting more and more rare to go into a record store and have that guy there. There are uh, sources that will recommend stuff or, or make you aware of things that you might be into. And I'm using, you know, Jackie as an example, because per, on a per, just personally, I've discovered so much stuff through him. You know, he talks every week. He's got an interview with some dude in a band that you may or may not even have heard of, but you get a personality to associate with them, with the band. You get a sample of what their music sounds like. And then you decide, I want to, you know, seek this out. In the show notes, they'll have like Bandcamp links, you know, and you could order vinyl and all that sort of stuff. And it's like that that's the one good thing about all this. And that has like a way, you know, like a really long arm when it comes to reaching people. But, you know, maybe it's just me and the, and the generation I grew up in. I just need personal contact too, you know, like stuff that you just hear about remotely is like not as impactful as like the... Up, clo- up close and personal, like seeing a band live and that kind of stuff is really still for sure. it's done, you know. Agreed, yeah, for sure. Which, you know, brings back to <laughs> the label thing. It's just like that's, um, you know, one of the things that I, I'm not as active. I don't put out as many bands because, um, you know, yeah, I don't know as many people playing in bands. And the other aspect is there's just um, so many labels that weren't really on the scope um, you know, 15, even 15 years ago, weren't as big a powerhouses as they are now, you know, there's yeah, so many true. big indie labels and they just, you know, basically, you know, take every band up, you know, yeah. if you look at like something like translation loss and prosthetics, they put out new, rec- like two, two records, two bands I've never heard of new bands every month, you know? Every I, month they've got new stuff coming out of new bands. They just sign, you know, prosthetic puts out so much stuff. It's just like spans never even toured, but now they're a new band and they're just snapped up by a label. And I feel like that's become more over as, you know, as like punk and metal gets more popular, you know, it does become more business. And everyone's looking for the next big thing where, you know, they've hit a few bands and then it's given them more leverage and more money. I mean, I think about how many things labels like relapse put out 15 years ago. It's, it's minuscule to how many, how much content they pump out today, you know? That's true. Yeah. I agree with that. You know, and, and in some ways it dilutes the quality of the releases, I think, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know, like, I mean, it's hard to keep up. Um, it's, I mean, it, honestly, it's hard to keep up. Uh, you know, I do music ordering, but it's hard to like, you know, every month there's just so many releases and I'm not talking, you know, I wish my label was at a point where I could just sign band after band after band and put a bunch of stuff out. I don't have that kind of money. No one, you know, no one cares. You know, I don't have that much time even to do it if I did. So, but like, you know, Profound Lore, Dark Descent, Relapse, Prosthetic, Season of Mist, just, it's just so much. You know, where because vinyl's hot, you know, um, I feel like a lot of the extreme metal music is way more popular right now. Like death metal is super popular, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and everyone's 
getting on the game, you know, hoping for the next big band, you know. Um, have you uh, have you heard Axi- Axioma that's on Translation Lost? Um, I have not. I recommend them, man. They're uh, okay. it's uh, Aaron from Keelhaul is in it. Oh, okay. I love Keelhaul. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I brought it up. And um, yep. I just had him on as as a guest, and uh, they have a brand new record that came out called Sepsis, okay. and it, it's amazing. It's great. It's but one of my top ten of the year actually right now. Okay, I will check that out. Yeah, Keelhaul is fucking great. Yeah. All those escape artists, like that label was just. I felt. I felt like no one really appreciated that label. You're probably right. <laughs> a, a, a label, like, I mean, you just, yeah. I mean, yeah, ISIS, but, you, um, but not like you know, as ISIS continued, they got you know, no one really cared when Escape Artist was putting it out as much. Um, but yeah, playing Enemy, Keel Hall, Anodyne, just phenomenal bands ahead of their time. Well, ISIS was big as soon as they came out. You know what I mean? Like I remember back in the day, like you know, because of all the stuff Aaron did with Hydrahead, and um, like it was an event when they first played their sh- their first shows. You know, like people yeah. already already knew about the band. You know, it was like one of these deals where there was like a ready made crowd. You know, I mean, yeah. Aaron at that point, Hydrahead had worked with like Cave In and and Piebald and um you know, Converge and all these bands. And uh, all those kids were primed up and it was like, you know, oh yeah, Aaron Hydrahead has a band. And it was like right there, boom, everyone was into it right away, you know. So they, they, you know, they were like one of the bands that put Escape Artist on the map in a lot of ways, you know. And they were like the outlier because they already had like a very big uh, fan base, you know. Yeah. You know, and they went on to do like great things, man. You know, yeah. Which you know, that's something. <laughs> it's kind of funny because that like network. Ooh, think about that whole thing. There's really pre-social media. Yeah, yeah, definitely. PR, like, way, way before that. I mean, there was no yeah. social media in like 1997. Man, that was like nothing. It was nothing like that. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's no social media. There's no like really like labels paying PR or anything. And that's just like something that I feel like is just, it's kind of like a loss. And I feel like, you know, I don't want to be like, well, back in my day, but it's just, I feel like part of it, I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of new kids discovering bands, (laughs) you know, so, and that's awesome. But it feels like, uh, I feel like more bands get lost in the mix now. I guess that's where I'm kind of going with this. You're probably right about that. I I think you're right. Yeah. So many premieres every day, you know. Um, I follow Invisible Oranges and No Clean Singing, and it's every day there's just premiere after premiere after premiere, and it's just like, man, I bet a ton of these bands are great, but I, I just don't have the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, some of the some of the beauty about that stuff that was going on in the '90s was, um, you know, just getting back to Hydrahead again. You know, the artwork was. That was, I'm going to say this, man, like about independent labels back in the day. You had like SST and all this other stuff, super DIY, doing everything like quick and dirty, getting it out there. Boom. You know, like one, one yep. insert with the lyrics and all that, done, you know. It was the 90s is when independent labels, and maybe it was the, uh, the advent of, uh, you know, using Photoshop and stuff like that. But um, that's when I felt, I feel like releases 
really started being uh, artful in the way they put their their packaging together. And I think a lot of that was started with Hydrahead and Turner. You know, Aaron, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, Aaron had like a fine arts uh, background, you know, and he was and, a very uh, tactile person. And he approached the, the the layout and everything in like this very tactile, you know, creative sort of uh, approach, you know. Yep, I, I agree with that. And, you know, um, Hydrahead, there's a, like, I felt like Second Nature was another label yeah, like that. totally, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, um, yeah, and I, I, you know, I think back and, like, um, the thing I think that sets them out, like, you know, um, I feel like a lot of the stuff, like, when Death Wish started, the art all looked very similar. You knew it was on Death Wish. You knew Jake Bannon did the art, where I feel like Hydrahead didn't. Like, it had a, a style that, it looked cool, but not everything looked similar. And I think that's maybe as I look, I'm just scrolling through some Hydrahead stuff. It's just like, it doesn't all look similar, but it all looks interesting. I, I would say that you can even look at some of the artwork. And there, I think there is a bit of a similarity between some of the stuff, but for it, sure, there's like eras though, you know? Yeah. Like the, you know, there's different, different eras of the labels, you know, creative vision, you know, and there's yeah, the beginning. It was like a lot of the stuff was like hand assembled, like the six going on seven, you know, seven inches and stuff were like constructed out of paper, basically, you know, and, well, and yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And then there was, and you know, it's funny how how powerful Aaron Turner is or was or it still is, I guess, you know, like especially in the nineties, like so many people followed that dude's every move, man. When it came to even. When ISIS happened, boom, there was a million bands that sounded just like them, you know? Yeah. Layout and artwork-wise, it's like, okay, Aaron's doing this. So suddenly all these labels are copying him, you know? He yep. changed, even he, the, the packaging. Yeah, the packaging. You know, the die cuts. Yep, the, the die cuts, exactly, yeah. Yeah, the, the you know, OB strip type stuff. Like, yeah, it's just, um, you, you know, one of my favorite... Um, Metal Bands is Cult of Luna, and the only reason I ever bought a Cult of Luna, got in Cult of Luna, is because I bought that Hydrahead 7-inch. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, totally. All, all those records are great, man, definitely. That, 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 it was never on my radar, you know? I bought it because I fucking love botching Cave-In, you know? Like, Cable yeah. and Keel and yeah. Coalesce, and it's just like, well, what's this? This is a 7-inch a at a record store that's on Hydrahead. I've never heard of this band, but I'm going to buy it, you know? Yeah, that that's cool, man. That's exactly, you know, like like li- kind of like you can rely on the label to deliver you stuff that you're going to enjoy, you know, yeah. re- regardless of what it is, you know. And, and that I don't know if that's gotten diluted over the years. I mean, if you follow metal labels, yeah, you'll get like Season of Mist, you'll get like dark blackened, you know, metal, you know. Yeah. But if uh some of the, some other maybe other labels aren't don't have that same identity anymore, maybe. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's hit or miss. I mean, I haven't put out everything on my label in a, the same genre, nor would I, I guess I wouldn't want to. <laughs> but I definitely think there's the importance of labels that do. Yeah. What, what are some of your uh, favorite releases over the years? I mean, you put you have put out a lot of stuff, man. Like, you know, Treaty oh, Versailles, yeah. like, you know, a bunch of things. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the stuff that I put out all early still it was just, um, you know, the, the Vita Blue 10 Grand, the Forcella Ford, um, 
the spirit of versailles uh like those were like some of my favorite bands like when i was getting into like you know that kind of music which i'm gonna use the word screamo for better or worse um you know the 90s screamy hardcore we'll say that yeah um Screamo. You know, to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to get to, to to you know put out records for those bands was just you know awesome, and and I was booking shows, and that's how almost everything came together on my label, with few exceptions. You know, there was you know where um, you know I did a Caligari CD, and they played with the Abandoned Hearts Club, and Terry Taylor said, "I think you would love this," and I fucking loved it. You know, and I got a hold of them to reissue you know, the reissue, the EP, like, that they just self-released and made, you know, whatever, however many hundred of, you know. So there's a few things like that, but most of it is people that were coming through my town or once I moved to Sioux Falls, um, you know, there were bands, you know, that, like, Sinking Steps, Rising Eyes, and and, and it was close-knit to Omaha where, like, back when, and um, as of Veronica and stuff, and there's just such a good, like, Midwest you know, network, you know, in the 2003 to 2006, 7-ish era, like, it was just, there's so many interesting bands with, like, good DIY ethics, you know, and I think I, I attribute a lot of that to Level Plane, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah that was another powerhouse. It's just so much out. good stuff coming out on that. It was just nonstop, and again, also just not... um that's probably the biggest influence on my label. Um, not probably not when it when I first started, um, but as it moved into you know doing it for a few years, um, just you know they put out you know bands that they didn't have a it, they didn't have a sound you know per se, but <clears throat> um, it was all kind of similar scene you know, so like. Um, you know, they do like some more shoegazy stuff or even like the gospel record, right. more proggy. Like it's, it's great though. Yeah. And then I loved hot cross, you know, Sasha and Neil Perry, all that stuff. Um, yeah. The first tunes was, uh, was on level plane. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it's like very way, different. way, way out of print, you know, but like, yeah, very yeah. different too. It's yeah. like, um, you can see where the, where your band is going, you know? For sure on it but I, yeah that's a great record too like it's that that would be you know yeah just like the level playing era just really like opened it up and i think inspired so many bands um especially you know in the midwest and it was just easy for bands to come through and you meet these bands and they're similar age as me and that it was real you know just so easy to find cool bands and put out records whether anyone cared or not is you know <laughs> here nor there but i think some of the uh, favorite things you know it's so hard to pick but um um the mel banana record i did is that, one of my favorite yeah, i love one. that band and um the whole story with that is uh i've been trying forever to book them and i remember they toured with breather resist and i booked breather resist but mel banana's agent didn't want to book sioux falls so they played rapid city instead <laughs> for who knows what reason and breather Resist played <laughs> played in Sioux Falls and actually it was like Renner outside of, like 20 minutes outside of Sioux Falls and you know there's like 200 kids or something you know and um I was like God, Melt Banana there's no way they're doing that and 
in rapid like we're a bigger scene like just couldn't get him to do it and then i finally finally got the booking agent to book sioux falls they booked rapid city too so that i went to rapid city the day before to see melt banana and i was booked they're playing in sioux falls the show i was doing the next day so i drove out there and i met a girl that booked shows out there um because she came into the record store like a few months earlier and was asking about you know local the local scene in sioux falls and we got talking and you know probably MySpace friends or something <laughs> MySpace. And, uh, <laughs> and so i hit her up and I, I i crashed on her floor and uh you know she uh super nice um and everyone was really nice in Rapid City. I went to there and I, I talked to him up and I go, oh, I'm booking your show tomorrow in Sioux Falls. You you can stay with me. You know, I owned a house in Sioux Falls. And I was like, you guys, you, you're good to stay with me. And then they, they played the show. It was really good. Um, they played their – I booked them after that again. And they played Sioux Falls even after I stopped doing shows or and stuff too. So, you know, it ended up being a good market for them. But they stayed with me. And I remember, um, you know, I was just showing around my house and they are like – it's a four bedroom house, which in Sioux Falls is dirt cheap, <laughs> you know, in 2007, like, you know, my mortgage payment was like $700, you know, wow, damn, dude. House, right. That's like, so, my, like, that's like my, my electric bill, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's <laughs> fucking crazy. And, um, I remember they're like, Oh, you do a record label. Cause I was showing my house. Like what you do record label. I had a room full of CDs and records. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you know, do you want to put out a milk banana record? I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and then awesome. um, I had Aaron Horky Prince, um, who's a friend of mine. He's from, you know, southern Minnesota too. Um, and I had some Aaron Horky Prince hanging up, and they were just like, Who, who's the artist? And I was like, uh, Aaron Horky. Like, will he do the artwork for the record? I was like, well, <laughs> I can ask him, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. Let's. Yeah, I'll ask him. You know, and he ended up doing it, and it, it, that, that's by far probably my favorite thing I've ever put out. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, that's a great one, man. They're such a, I, you know, probably the most established band that I'd worked with too. You know, over all the years, like you know, they they already had the fan base. They're already a kind of a big band, but not really. You know. Big in the underground scene. Yeah, um, no, for so sure fun. they are. For sure, for sure. Yeah. is like a bigger band, definitely. Yeah. And, and you know what? I've kept in touch with them. And um, we did talk about doing a second record. That was a while back. Um, so who knows? Maybe it'll happen someday. I feel like they haven't uh, they haven't put out as much material as like the last few years as they had or last like six years or something as they did previous. So. That'd be cool. Um, I, I would totally yeah. be up for that, man. Yeah. yeah for sure. Um, what other, other like, really favorite? I mean, the Amon Ra CD. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, yeah, you, it you, was uh, the you... first U.S. release. Um, just it's such an incredible band. And, um, you know, they're just not as big in the U.S., which is a shame, I think. Um, but I think they'll also get there. I think they'll be as big in the U.S. as they are in Europe uh, eventually because they're such an incredible band just I remember uh, Rusty Steele from Battlefields they played shows with them and he was just like yeah they don't have any label in the US you should you should do these they're looking to put out a CD and I was just like I never heard of them you know and um, I was like well you know I've known Rusty so long 
you know, he's got a pretty good feel of what I'm into. And then uh, Colin sent me those, you know, their CDs. I was like, this is so fucking good. I remember getting in the mail um, and putting it in my car, driving home. And um, I think like my parents were coming down to visit me. And I was just like sat in the driveway and I was like, this is so good. Like the, uh, just, the only yeah. time Anodyne ever toured Europe, we, uh, we played with Amon Ra in Belgium. It was pretty fun. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. So I, I only saw him, I would, I saw him play on that Voivod tour. It's the only time I actually ever saw him. Um, and I thought it was one of the most incredible shows I've ever seen in my life. Like, top 10 performance i remember talking to colin afterwards he's like oh that's not even this isn't even good compared to, you got to come to europe to see us i agree like, I a whole agree. different thing yeah and i was like well great now i have to do that someday <laughs> when um when anodyne played with them they didn't have the whole thing that they're doing now but like tombs has played with amon ra in europe a couple times and yeah it's definitely like like a whole different thing over there yeah so that's on my bucket list someday i will get to Europe and I will see Amon Ra play over there because yeah he said it's it's just and you know they have like it's like a weird religion they have like this follower this fan base that like lives and breathes Amon Ra it's crazy yeah it's a little weird I think but yeah uh, yeah <laughs> but you know yeah I agree yeah but it's it you know to each his own you know there's yep. just weirder religions you know that worship a guy oh, sure. who's nailed to a cross you know it's kind of weird too <laughs> yeah exactly um, trying to think of other, um, that Ken mode record I did is in my favorite releases. Um, uh, venerable did, uh, uh, so when, when I, when I met up with, after I saw you, I saw, um, or before I, I saw you and, and Jesse around the same time. Yeah. Now, did you guys actually hang out in Winnipeg? Yeah, we did totally. Yeah, right, we uh, got some food and we uh, went and saw the band Hexis play. Nice. Um, in Winnipeg, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. Like, uh, that dude is, uh, you know, I feel like when I think of people that are, you know, in it for life, um, and just similar to me, you know, I think of you, I think uh, Jesse, um, you know, it's, I think it's great. I look through his CDs and it's like I have the same CVs, you know, it's just like same era buying, you know, just the same music interest. It's just so cool to like meet somebody like that. Like, you know, that even before, you know, I ever met him, he's into a lot of the same stuff that I'm into. It's just, it, and then he's still into it today, you know, yeah, still totally. into the same stuff. It's just like, so cool. Um, Sheen, his brother, awesome as well. Like that whole band is our sweet dudes. And, um yeah i'm excited to hear you know their new record he's gonna give it to me up there and he totally forgot so <laughs> you know um yeah that uh, i love that album um I'm trying to think of what else i put out um um that are my favorites without hurting any feelings um the buried inside record that relapsed in the cd and i did the vinyl right um on. that's yeah. one of my favorites um uh, the Woman's Earth records, I really love them. Um, that's the last thing I put out. Um, I've done four or five records for them, um, three full lengths and uh, EP, and I reissued their first full length on vinyl. And I just think that band is just—they're uh, from Rapid City, and they're just—I don't know—they're phenomenal 
musicians and all their records are a little different, but I, so many like influences and not even intentional probably I hear in their music. Like I, I hear a lot of like the screamo stuff, even though I, those they were never into that stuff. I know their sister was into like hot cross and stuff, but you can see some of that, some of that crosses over, but it's like atmospheric black metal stuff without getting too uh, cheesy, you know, right on like no fiddles and <laughs> fiddles. and um and like animal noises in the forest in between songs or anything like that and you know not picking on anyone that has that stuff um i like a lot of bands that like that but it's just a little more straightforward um i guess um and it's re- you know they're really good um trying to think what else i put out i really love that anodyne cd nah, don't say that man come on don't I, I hope you weren't i wish you wouldn't bring that up but yeah. <laughs> it's great this is, yeah that that is a good ep um i think that um off the top of my head um this is probably my all-time favorite i mean there's nothing i've really put out that i really don't like and i think that's um cool you know <laughs> no totally i mean that would suck you know if you had oh, i hate yeah. this one thing i did like 10 years ago <laughs> you know there's nothing i hate there's there's stuff that uh, i don't know who's ever gonna listen to this but you know hugh corrupts i did a, like, a 10 label split with like level like greg from level plane told me i should be part of so they're looking for another label that band didn't really age with me very well. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. To, to be fair, and yeah, they were great live and entertaining, but um, listening to them is just, you know, if I listen to it now, I'm just like, that's probably the le- my least favorite thing I put out. <laughs> it's um, a great name, though. I always love that name, He Who Corrupts. <laughs> yeah, and the whole the whole shtick, um, you know, they're kind of they had that whole joke corporate thing going on um presence and persona and stuff and they still do it online and it's funny and you know i'm not a big joke band person i like my music a little more serious but there's you know i appreciate a good joke too (laughs) you know so (laughs) um yeah it was like you know when i was younger i thought it was funnier and and I liked it more than I, I do now, I guess. Online, where can people find you as far as like, you know, to uh, to order records and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, so um, the, um, I'm not very good at, at like the, the label's a hobby for me. And the older I get, the busier I get with work and just um, mostly just work, honestly, is vinyl industry is popular our record stores just that i work at is just non-stop busy people selling collections and buying stuff and trying to order records when you can't get them and finding them so that's pretty much the majority of my existence is working um my job which i love my job um so i'm not very good at um running a label i do mail order i mean i should mail orders fast and everything like that um but Bandcamp. Uh, com would be the best, but I know that not everything is up there. Um, I also have a Discogs. You can find Inner Records stuff on Discogs, and you can find my stuff where I sell it also. Um, 
especially stuff like that I don't have up on Bandcamp. But the Bandcamp is probably the best. There's a Facebook page, In It Records. And uh, there's a website that hasn't been updated forever and has no content. <laughs> but it's uh, innerrecords.net, and it will link you to the Facebook the, and the Bandcamp. So that's probably the easiest. Right on, man. Cool. So, yeah, yeah. check it out. And uh, Steve, thanks for catching up, man. It was good talking to you again, as usual. And I appreciate yeah, your time. Yeah, for sure. Always, always good. And I'm looking forward to uh, tombs rolling through my town. Um, again soon before the end of the year and uh more frequently because yeah i was it's always a good time talking and hell, hanging out hell yeah man take care yeah all right you too yeah. 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 Yeah.